0: I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. This episode is brought to you by the brand new ebook, Diffusing for Beginners. I created this ebook because there's so much confusion around aromatherapy and diffusing, and so much discussion, and so much debating about what is safe. This ebook breaks down the mechanism of smell, the real dangers in your home from synthetic scents, and explains how aromatherapy can actually transform your home and space into a clean and natural haven. Discover the safety considerations around certain conditions like epilepsy, asthma, children, how to diffuse around pets, and more. Experiment with 48 different all-season diffuser blends. Diffusing for Beginners is available now on Kindle. Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. So today I want to talk a little bit about a concept that you will read on the internet and you will hear some novices talk about. And this is this idea that essential oils clean receptor sites. And this allows your natural hormones or your natural neurotransmitters to bind better to receptors. This isn't correct information. So I wanna discuss both of these things today. Cleaning receptors and also a little touch a little bit on hormones and oils. Hormones themselves get really complicated really quickly and so then throw in essential oils and it just can be very complicated. But I'm gonna try and cover some of the basics here and try to make it as simple as I can. Also while acknowledging I don't know everything. (laughs) So in order for cells to grow, divide, multiply, die, whatever, a number of things have to happen. So let's look at the cell first. So the human body is obviously made of trillions of cells. And each cell has many parts to it. So it will have a nucleus where the DNA is stored, mitochondria, where energy is produced and stored, a number of internal things. And the cell itself has a membrane that keeps all of that information enclosed. On the outside of the cell membrane and on the inside are these kinds of proteins that stick out. And these are called receptors. And these receptors each have a unique shape. In order to know what to do, the cell must receive signals from something called a ligand. And ligands are things like hormones, nutrients, neurotransmitters, growth factor, and hormones. And there's many different receptors, and there's many different ligands, and there are, even when you talk about hormone receptors, there's different types of even one hormone receptor, so it gets really complex. Typically, one cell releases the ligand, and another is the target cell and receives that ligand. So the ligand binds to the cell receptor that matches its shape. So think about this like a lock and key system. The receptor is the lock and the ligand, so the hormone, the neurotransmitter, growth factor, whatever, is the key that fits. And when they fit together, they bind. And it signals a cell and sets off a a series of sequences and chemical reactions. So when we look at the receptor on the outside of the cell, part of it is also inside, and this allows the information to pass through the membrane and into the cell and trigger those actions that effectively tell the cell what to do. And when we look at the receptors on the inside, there are a number of following sequences or Reactions that have to occur, signals that have to occur to turn on different enzymes and different things in order for a process to continue. So the ligand and the receptor are now bound together, and the ligand receptor complex can actually be internalized into the cell. Sometimes the ligand gets removed from that complex, and the receptor goes back to the cell surface, and it becomes available again for binding. And sometimes it's marked for breakdown also. So receptors are continually being generated or recycled. In the case of hormones like estrogen, progesterone, these pass through the membrane to bind with that receptor inside the cell. So what is really key here to understand is that this idea that cell receptors need to be cleaned doesn't make any sense because it implies that something is clogged in the receptor site. But ligands don't stay bound to receptors at the membrane, and the bound pair gets internalized and either broken down or is recycled. So sometimes we hear about receptors being blocked, and this is not really the same thing either as the so-called clog. Blocking is essentially like placing a lid over top of the receptor so that it can't receive any more of the ligand. So when we look at plants, let's, we can see this in plants a little bit. So for example, let's look at cannabis. So we have THC in cannabis, which binds into our naturally existing cannabinoid receptors and produces euphoria effects. But we also have CBD in cannabis, and it has a couple of functions, one of which is to be an antagonist. And so it basically sits as a lid, let's say, over top of that receptor and binds to that receptor, which effectively stops THC from being so able So if we to get bond. cannabis with more CBD, and maybe a better ratio between THC and CBD, we can actually reduce some of the effects of THC. So then if we take it away or we so-called unclog it, it actually allows that action of THC to be more pronounced. Maybe in another example let's look at op- opioids. Medications are used to block those opioid receptors in addiction so that they don't receive as much opioids. In those cases, so called unclogging it or unblocking it would actually be bad. And this is actually like just a, a basic way that medications work. And we see some of this as well in in cancer. So re- receptors can be damaged by mutation especially in cancer, which can cause confused signaling. So sometimes the ligands and receptors can't bind, but the cancer cell can still signal the cell without the ligand and cause changes. Sometimes the cells have too many receptors, which is called an overexpression of a gene and is a mutation. And this can then cause like over-response to ligands, magnify this on a scale of the body, then that's a problem. In these cases, sometimes treatment is actually to block receptors. So actually unclogging it, air quotes, would make it worse. This idea that essential oils are effective either as detox from drugs or just generally because they clean sites is wrong. First of all, there isn't any research that says that essential oils actually do that. The science says they interact with receptors or bind with receptors Second, receptors don't need cleaning because they, they don't get clogged. It's simply that there are so many other things that can be happening there. And I think part of this conversation comes from this idea that essential oils detox the body or that medications are, are dangerous and therefore you need to detox your body from them. And, and that essential oils are sort of a savior type of product. And while there obviously are medications that are very dangerous for you, it's sort of this bizarre conversation that is happening about this, the magical, sort of magical ability and savior type idea that essential oils can have for us. And we see this a lot, especially around reproductive hormone problems, too. And so, along with this conversation, there goes this idea that products and food we're using and eating contain parabens and phthalates and all kinds of other ingredients that are binding to those receptors and specifically hormone receptors and taking the place of our natural hormones. And this is true. Things like parabens, phthalates, BPA, all kinds of synthetic chemicals that are called xeno hormones do have hormone activity and they do disrupt the hormones because their chemical structure is very similar to estrogen. It's also not quite that simple. There's so many other things that they do in the body in terms of damaging other pieces of the body and just so many more things than just binding to the receptor. There's a lot of disruption that happens, but also damage. But this conversation is also implied at various times in aromatherapy discussion and literature that these chemicals are stuck there and that essential oils can clean those sites and get rid of them. It's not the case. Those chemicals displace natural hormone, natural estrogen, for example, and have effects of estrogen, which creates an excess in the the body. It doesn't plug or clog a receptor and just sit there. Let's use an analogy. Let's say a coach is standing on the side tossing you basketballs. Your job is to catch the balls and shoot it into a basketball net. Coach tells you, no matter what, catch the ball, get it into the net. That's your only job. No problem. You can do that. But then all of a sudden, there are 10 people, maybe one of those 10 people is even called the pill, standing on the side, each throwing you a ball. In a normal situation, you'd move away or you'd get rid of them. But coach tells you you have to sink the ball no matter what. So you grab whatever's coming at you that looks and feels like a basketball and you sink it. And sometimes you're missing coach's ball. And maybe eventually coach just completely stops throwing you his ball especially let's say if the pill for example is very accomplished at throwing balls at you it's not that you're standing there with boxing gloves on and you're unable to catch the ball it's that now the balls are coming from way too many places should be coming actually only from the coach you can't get rid of them and maybe your own coach just eventually stops playing it's not that we need to strip or clean the site to make it more effective. It's that there's displacement and excess or substitution that's that makes your own body stop producing or start doing funky things. And those disruptors can accumulate in fatty tissue. Normally the liver el- eliminates hormones especially if or you're not in substitution for example, but you're still in taking some of these these xenohormones in other places, normally the liver eliminates that. But if it's loaded down, let's say you drink a lot of alcohol or you have a liver problem or you're just not methylating properly or you're just not eliminating properly, then it becomes difficult to eliminate. You might struggle with that. So the body may respond, -respond, over-respond, stop the effects of the hormone, stop normal production of the hormone. And in growing children, this is especially an issue. So when we talk about this and we talk about estrogenic activity and hormone interaction from essential oils, it it leads to the discussion that essential oils have estrogenic activity, they are disruptive, and therefore dangerous. But there's a really big piece of the story that's missing here. Authentic essential oils do interact with receptors. They are able to bind with receptors. This is one of the key ways they work in the body. And estrogen receptors are actually inside of the cell. They don't sit on the outside, Like we talked about, they're actually on the inside. And essential oils are lipid-soluble, so they can get into a cell, no problem. At high doses, animal data shows certain constituents are able to displace estrogen and bind to receptors. We also see things like nioli when it's applied to the skin appears to increase the absorption of estradiol across the skin. However, there are four pieces I think that are missing from this conversation that are very, very critical. Number one, much of the research indicates that essential oils have weak estrogenic activity at best. Number two, because it can bind, doesn't mean it can turn the hormone action on. Number three, essential oils are adaptogenic. And number four, because phytohormones and these phytoestrogens in essential oils and plants do bind to the receptor, they can actually protect against excess estrogen. So let's kind of dig into that a little bit. The essential oils and some of their constituents, like anethole, can bind to the receptor, but the research indicates the activity is weak. Binding with the receptor, even inside the cell, like for estrogen, still requires several other steps in the process and sequences that need to be turned on, and the activity is just not strong enough to have that kind of action and turn the hormone action on. Further, essential oils and constituents, while they have estrogenic activity, they also don't bioaccumulate in tissue. So if you have a lot of it, it's not going to sit around in your body. Dr. John Lee talks about this concept of phytohormones binding to the receptor. And he says that because they can actually bind and occupy that space, they actually protect against too much estrogen in the body or environment by not allowing that excess to bind. He also says that if a person is deficient in estrogen, these phytohormones can be mildly helpful in bringing up that estrogen effect. Also, essential oils specifically, not just all plants, but essential oils specifically are adaptogenic, meaning they will work according to what the body needs. It drives a lot of people crazy when I talk about this, and I'm sorry. I know it does because it's like, what? You can just, it'll just do whatever, But we have to have this sort of ping pong style discussion because it's just how it is. When we talk about drugs, these are synthesized and they work the same over and over again, generally speaking. It has a very predictable function, which is why they're used. We know that they will create this result. Plants don't always behave the same. So because they can bind to that receptor, it doesn't mean it will. Because it can interact with that receptor, it doesn't mean it will. It can be both an agonist and an antagonist. It can bind to the receptor or not. And this is why one person has a certain response to something and another does not. It's also partly why we synthesize drugs from plants. So we know that the plant can be can work, but it doesn't do enough. It just it's so unpredictable. But if we play around with it a little bit and we make a, a version that's more stable, if I can use that word, then we can magnify its use and it can become more predictable. We can actually make a treatment plan. So what that means is, is that essential oil, an authentic essential oil, when we're talking about something that's really truly from a plant, it's adaptogenic. Just because it can do that, it doesn't mean it's going to do that in your body. So because they can work in this multitude of ways, it is prudent in certain cases to use caution. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. If you have an estrogen cancer or you have a history of cancer linked to hormones, it may be appropriate to avoid oils with estrogenic activity. That makes sense. If you are pregnant, it is appropriate to avoid oils with hormone activity. That also makes sense. When we talk about this, uh, lots of times the question comes up, okay, so I have a hormone cancer gene. I don't have hormone, but I have the gene. Should I be extra careful? Should I avoid this? And to that I say, You could be extra conservative and take that step and avoid those oils, but I think that that would probably be an extra conservative step, given that the activity is so weak and given its inability to turn hormone action on. Ultimately, the decision is yours and you'll make that in conversation with your pharmacist and your doctor and your medical team. So if you have a hormone problem or any problem, I will reiterate that you don't need to use essential oils to clean receptor sites. I think instead what might be smarter is that you start to eliminate where you're getting those disrupting xeno hormones from. Look for parabens and phthalates and BPA. Check your foods. You know, food is a huge culprit of these kinds of xeno products you know look for microwaving in plastics skincare and personal care products plastic disposable water bottles pesticides and when we're looking at our kids don't microwave in plastic make sure you're using BPA free bottles and bottle liners and I mean we, we are we're sort of becoming aware of this more but there's a lot of literature on this that you can go and read read about and I would recommend that and there's so many other places as well but Do that and start supporting your liver also so that excess can be eliminated. And I also have to say you should do testing to figure out the actual state of your hormones. So if you think you have a problem, don't just guess. It's not something to play around with. You need to figure out if you are dominant in one area. And if you are estrogen dominant and you have an estrogen dominance disorder, then it might be appropriate to stick to plants and oils that build progesterone, for example like Vitex. One of the key things to know though in this situation is that a hormone problem is also very complex with many, many, many pieces. So it could be a number of things from inade- inadequate vitamins and enzymes to adrenal problem, to a thyroid problem, to a you know, pituitary problem, to a liver problem. Like there's so many things and lots of those things need to be in place in order to help turn on other sequences. It could be a number of things. So it's not just the solution to clean your your cell sites with, with essential oils is very simplistic and not correct. So when you're looking at these things, just make sure you're talking to somebody who knows what they're doing and who can help you with testing. But again, we talked about how Dr. Um, John Lee talks about the protective effect of them. So that could be also a beneficial way, and they do have beneficial effects. And so if you have normal physiology and you simply have common hormonal problems, so PMS, mood, and I'm speaking to women here mostly because I'm I am a woman. Um, so you have you have PMS, you have mood problems, mood dysregulation, you have stress, you have cramping, for example. Then aromatherapy can actually be helpful. So it's important to remember that just because the activity is weak, it doesn't mean it's ineffective. And like Dr. Lee says, it can have that protective effect where it takes a place when you have s es- when you have excess or it can, if you're low, it can actually have a mild supply that can bring up your, those effects. At the same time, I I do want you to check yourself. If you're using it all day, every day, why? Do you need to be? Do the tests in your body support that? Not everything needs to be taken all the time unless it's actually indicated. So this is just a safer way to look at use as well. so around this discussion, especially if you go on the internet, you are going to find a lot of links and information and rhetoric around lavender and tea tree ki- causing gynecomastia in boys and being linked to like hormone problems. First of all, these should never have been added to this conversation. The studies on lavender and tea tree have many holes and many problems and have received scathing critiques. And published rebuttal articles from many experts. These should never have been added to this conversation and are not a concern. You will also see clary sage is also said to be a concern but again this is a misunderstanding of the oil itself. Clary sage is high in scleral and scleral doesn't have the right chemical structure to bind to an estrogen receptor so clary sage is also not a concern. So what are the considerations then that I want you to know about in relation to this? Let's just recap. First of all, essential oils don't clean receptors. You don't need to clean them. It's not a thing. It doesn't make sense in cell biology. It doesn't make sense in receptor biology. You need to instead stop displacing your natural sources by removing sources of synthetics, removing xenohormones, and then start supporting your liver. That's a really basic place to start. And then you can also start to look at more in-depth other reasons, testing and things, why, uh, why you might be having an issue. And that leads me to number two. If you're about to try to change your hormone s- situation, do some testing first. I highly recommend that. You just need to know where you're at before you start feeding into the system somewhere. And if you don't know, you could actually make something worse. If you are estrogen dominant and you start to add in something that's more estrogenic, that makes sense. You can make it worse. Number three, you may need to be prudent with some essential oils during pregnancy, cancer, and estrogen dominant conditions. And the biggest ones that we talk about are going to be fennel, anise, star anise, anise seed myrtle, and sometimes we see geranium as well. Number five, don't blindly use oils. But don't be afraid either. Given the weak activity, in my opinion, this is a low concern. However, we have to be aware, and this is why we have this yes but no conversation, because essential oils are adaptogenic also, and they may also be protective, and they have beneficial effects, but they may not be appropriate for you also. So be aware and discuss with your medical team. Every person is different. Every biology is different. Everyone's medical history is different. You need to discuss it with appropriate people especially if you have a concerning history. The most concern, as I said, is going to be around high doses. And we almost always come back to this. If you are using high doses, this is an inappropriate use. And I recommend that you seek guidance if you are thinking about doing this. So for now, let's just remember that internet lore is perpetuating a story here that isn't supported by science. You do not need to use essential oils to strip or clean receptors to make those receptors work better or to make natural hormones bind better. It's just not a thing. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast and we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils so head over to instagram and find us at the aromatherapist podcast my name is cheryl witten and i am your aromatherapist we have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.